Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome to Get Your Goat. Oh, what a show we have in store today. It is packed, giving you another list of top NFL players. Before we start the season, going on down the list, the NHL expansion draft is tonight. I'm giving you my mock draft. If I was a general manager... Who I would be picking in this draft to be just like the Vegas Golden Knights and be ready to win now. And of course, the Bucks in six. Ya boy was right. I was right. From the beginning, I've been saying Bucks in six. Was I a little scared after going down 2-0? Yes, I was. But you know what happened? Four straight victories for those Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, it's too good. I'm going to be getting into that as well. So let's get started. First off, I want to acknowledge what I did not acknowledge on my previous podcast is Colin Morikawa. Winning the Open Championship, being champion golfer of the year. Congratulations, Colin. You played terrific, especially that final Sunday when you birdied three straight, seized the lead, and didn't look back. I picked Louie to win this tournament. That pick prediction was looking really good. Uh, until that final day where Colin looked a lot better and Louie did what he's done the past two tournaments, the PGA and the U.S. Open, especially the U.S. Open since he had the lead and kind of choked it away. Uh, But Colin Morikawa was there, really solid play. His iron play was the best in the tournament. His putting, which has been off this year, was tremendous. So many par putts saved, timely birdies as well. Congratulations, Colin. Well-deserved. Would have liked to have seen a battle with Spieth, but Spieth shot himself in the foot on day three by closing with those back-to-back bogeys on 17 and 18. But nevertheless, nonetheless, great tournament, great Open Championship, great way to end the majors for this year's golf tournament. Looking now forward to the Olympics and then the FedEx Cup playoff. But again, Congratulations, Colin. Next, before I get into my top 10 for the NFL, a new Fred Warner deal was announced today. Fred Warner is a linebacker for the San Francisco Giants, and he is now the highest paid off-ball linebacker in NFL history. Five-year, $95 million deal includes $40.5 million guaranteed. The previous highest contract was Bobby Wagner, linebacker for the Seahawks at $18 million a year. Bobby Wagner, or Fred Warner, beats him out by $1 million. Fred Warner is an excellent linebacker. To me, isn't the best linebacker. I'd still put Bobby Wagner ahead of him and Devin White of the Bucks. But Fred Warner is a legit star stud for this defense, who means so much for him, is very young too. 
so he can play this position very strongly for the next 10 years or so. Uh, has racked up a ton of tackles, pass breakups, plays with such force uh, and grit that these 49ers teams like, you know, you have that George Kittle on offense, you have Fred Warner on defense, and that's just another cornerstone of this franchise that they have locked up. They've re-signed George Kittle, Fred Warner, tackled Trent Williams. So this Seattle or this San Francisco 49er team wants to get it done. Another news too. Aaron Rodgers, Nick's Day Deal report came out yesterday to make him the highest paid player in the history of the NFL. Not just the highest paid quarterback, but the highest paid player was denied. As I've been saying, it was never about the money. He came out on SportsCenter and talked about it being the philosophy, uh, the changes in management, uh, decisions that they've made that it's trinkled down to the, affecting the culture there. So that's what it's about. Uh, so if you truly don't like your place of work, I mean, to me, I could hate my place of work. They make me the highest paid employee in the history of employees. I might suck it up and do it. So for him to turn that down, that speaks volumes because in a bad work environment and I'm paid higher than everybody else, I personally would suck it up. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is playing with a lot more money than I am. But it is hard to turn that kind of contract out. It sounds like he is resolute. I don't think he turns that down and plays with the Packers. I thought ultimately he'd suck it up, play for the Pack, but it doesn't even look that way now. Doesn't even look that way, which is very interesting to me moving forward. I would like this Aaron Rodgers saga to end because I feel like it is dragging on for far too long. I want answers. Also, other NFL news. Cam Akers tore his Achilles yesterday. Running back for the Los Angeles Rams. Their star that really had a great breakout year last year. Really came into his own. 113 yards averaging over the final seven games. Great playoff game against the Seattle Seahawks in the wild card game in 13 seasons was or 13 games last year. My bad was he was a leading rusher, only played 13 games for this Rams team. Added some well in the passing game. So this is a very tough injury for me to hear and swallow. This Rams team, to me, was the second best team in the NFC. I had the Bucks and the Rams for my early, early prediction after the Matthew Stafford trade. After this, this Rams offense will not be the same because if you don't have a reliable running game that hurts opening up play action, it really does affect. Some people might say, oh, you know, he wasn't really that good. It was a small sample size. Who knows if he grows into his role? Those are a good questions to ask, but this offense will certainly take a hit this coming year. It will. It will take a hit. And it's going to be tough uh, to recover from this. 
I don't think they should go out and sign a veteran, uh, such as bringing back Todd Gurley or Devontae Freeman or Le'Veon Bell, any of those jokers. I think they should just stick with their running backs, play it by committee, and hope the rotating four running backs that they have, each of them, rotates and has a good game, maybe one of them, catches fire and rides it. But to me, this scares me. Tampa Bay is now the clear-cut number one favorite. To me, the Rams not are not even the favorite now to win the NFC West. To me, it's wide open. They each have a 25% chance to win the NFC West. Now, at this point, with this injury, because now everyone now has their flaws in that division. Rams, running backs, in depth on defense. Seattle, offensive linemen, in depth on defense, especially the secondary uh, position. The Cardinals, uh, their secondary position as well on defense. Their running game as well. And an inexperienced quarterback uh, who maybe has been figured out a little. In the San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy G, yes, they have Trey Lance, but that competition starts there. They don't have the best wide receiver, wide receiver core, and their secondary as well has taken a hit with age. So this division is now up for grabs with that crazy injury that Cam Akers just had. So uh, that remains to be seen. But now... I am going to get into my top 10 offensive linemen for the NFL season. Now you're thinking, what offensive linemen? Yes, this is not the sexiest position. This isn't the one where you're like, yes, that guy right there, that big guy blocking. Yes, he's my man, unless he really is your man. But under O-linemen by the media, by the fans, are underappreciated, undervalued, but you see just how important they are. You saw in the Super Bowl this past year, the Chiefs offensive line and how poorly it was. That was a pointing factor. The rivalries and they lost. Favorites to win everything. Who cares about the offensive line until the flaws were exposed in a big game like that. The Packers before then, they have one of the best Offensive lineman's in the game. However, he wasn't available for that game. And you saw the Bucks get after them in that game. You saw Seattle as well in their potent offense. Hindered by an offensive lineman. Justin Herbert taking a ton of hits as well with an offensive line that was terrible. Same with Joe Burrow actually causing him to tear his ACL with the little to no protection that he had. So O-line to me are one of the most valuable positions. Because it allows you to control the passing and running game. When you have a good O-lineman, your running back will look good. Your quarterback will look good. And you control the line of scrimmage because you won't have those rushers getting to you within two seconds. Your quarterback will have time to throw, make the correct reads. Your running back will be able to have a little bit of patience. Find the right hole. opens up so much for your team. So offensive line is needed. So I'm going to give you my top 10 offensive line. This is offensive tackles, offensive guards, and centers. I've already given you my top 10 quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Today's O-line, 
I'm not going to spend as much time on this section as I would my previous top 10s because, as I said, this isn't the flashiest or sexiest position, but I will still give them respect and give them a full top 10 list. Number 10, DJ Humphreys for the Arizona Cardinals offensive tackle is a terrific offensive tackle. Is 27, was a first-round pick. He has been amazing protecting uh, Kyler Murray. He, you know, is only allowed nine sacks in his campaign. 46 pressures. I mean, this guy is doing it all. Strong performances in both the passing and rushing game. He's big-bodied, strong hands, and has just been one of the best tackles in the game. Has shown a lot of improvement as well to get to where he was at. So to me, that shows why he is sitting at number 10 for me because he has constant improvement, especially in this game with Kyler Murray and the scrambling, you never know. Next, number nine, Teron Armstead for the New Orleans Saints. This past season, four penalties allowed, three sacks allowed. Uh, Very good uh, as well, graded an 86, is an elite Offensive tackle for the Saints, and they have a luxury of having a couple. I wasn't able to include Ryan Ramschek in this list, but he's terrific. So they've had the value of a great offensive line and offensive lineman in Taron Armstead, where he's been able to protect Drew Brees his whole career, is only 29 as well, and just plays really strongly. And whoever now comes in, whether it be Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, they're lucky to have Taryn Armstead on their team protecting him. Number eight, Allie Marpet, offensive guard for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This Buccaneers team has a great offensive line. Ali Marpit is their key guard. Plays left guard, allowed just six sacks in his career. Only 70 pressures on 2,000 pass blocking reps. That is simply insane. Uh, Only allowed one sack last year. So his pass blocking is great for an interior lineman, but also his run blocking as well opening up holes for Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones, whoever it may be, uh, as well. Marpet is not a liability on this team. He is a reliability because they need him. Number six is yet another Tampa Bay Bucks. As I said, they have 
one of the best offensive lines. Next is Tristan Wirfs, rookie out of Iowa, or was a rookie out of Iowa. He was a rookie this year. He was stolen at pick number 13. Shouldn't have gone that low. And somehow the Bucks got him at 13 and said, this is what Tom Brady needs, and Tom Brady got it. This guy is a beast. 48-inch box jump yesterday with a vest on, was at 345 pounds, and had a 48-inch jump. Insane. Big guy shouldn't be doing that. They just shouldn't. But Tristan Wirfs is built different. He is. He is tremendous at what he does. Last year, only allowed one sack the whole season. That's how good he is. That is tremendous to be that good in your rookie season. Now, you know, they have people on the team who want to talk. Nadama Kongsu was saying that he's good, but he can get better. He's not great yet. Uh, you know, he's too nice. He's too that. But come on, give Tristan Worth some credit because he's already the sixth best offensive lineman, and he's only played one season. He's playing with Tom Brady. Get out of here, Sue. Number five, Zach Martin for the Dallas Cowboys. Offensive guard made six Pro Bowls, selected to six All-Pro teams in those years. Zach Martin is a tremendous but has been dealing with injuries sort of a past season, uh, dealt with some things. So that's why he's not as high on my list, but he is, you know, ranked by some the best offensive lineman in football to me. He's not, but he's had a grade of 85 or higher, just one sack allowed in the past two years. He's elite. He's there. He's a future Hall of Famer, and that's why you can count on him in both pass blocking and run blocking. He misses starts, but he still comes back with great campaigns, great games every week. Number four, Wyatt Teller for the Cleveland Browns. What makes the Cleveland Browns so good? Well, part of it is their offensive line of a time. Baker has to throw the football. And Baker has time. He really does. And that's because Wyatt Teller, offensive guard, is right there with him, helping him every step of the way, making sure he is not tackled, making sure Nick Chubb, is the fourth best back in the NFL because of guys like Wyatt Teller doing their job, making sure that 
quarterback has time to throw the football, if a running back has time to run the football. Wyatt Teller is very important to this team. With him, they average five yards a carry rushing the football. Without him, they only average three and a half. That's how big of a difference one player makes on the offensive line. Number three, Trent Williams, offensive tackle for the San Francisco 49ers. As I said, he was the highest paid tackle last year. He got the contract for the 49ers because of how valuable he is. Eight-time Pro Bowler, eight years in a row, uh, has been really solid for this team, which is why he got that six-year, $138 million record-breaking contract because they knew that he will protect the blind side of whoever quarterback that he has to guard. Doesn't give up sacks as well in his career. That is a real deal. Coming from the Redskins to the San Francisco 49ers. Teams try to get him. The Chiefs try to get him. But he wanted to stay with the 49ers. Signed that big contract. One of the best tackles. In the game is Trent Williams. Number two, David Bakhtiari for the San Francisco, or my bad, for the Green Bay Packers. Him and Aaron Rodgers have a great relationship. He protects Aaron Rodgers. Blindside is a great tackle, two time All Pro, three time Pro Bowler, has been just. Magnificent, both him and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers knows how much he means to this team. And we saw how big David Bakhtiari was when he went down in the playoffs and wasn't able to play against the Bucks. How much that meant losing him. Because without him, that allowed Jason Pierre-Paul and... Uh, Shaq Barrett to have a field day. It really did. He's going to miss some of the beginning of the NFL probably of the season with that ACL injury. But who knows? He's a great offensive lineman. And we saw the significance of that when he went down and they lost in the conference championship game. But who is the best offensive lineman? Who do you really want on your team? Well, the Colts are happy to have him, and that's Quentin Nelson, only 25 years old, but is 6'5 and weighs in at a hefty 330 pounds. Not only one of the best offensive linemen, but is one of the best football players right now in the NFL. He is the best blocker by far. Best run blocker, best pass blocker. He really 
is that to me is why we're talking so much about with the Colts and Carson Wentz. Can they take him? Because they have a guard like this that Carson Wentz never had. Yes, they had Lane Johnson for a time, but Quinton Nelson is the real deal. Some say he's as high as like the number fourth best player in the league. Some have him as 15, but you can't underestimate the value Quinton Nelson has as an offensive guard. He is just too good. Best pass blocker, but he's an even better run blocker. He gets it done. He gets it done. That's why we saw the running back by committee last year with the Colts do so well because they had Quentin Nelson. Phillip Rivers looking good and team players wanting to go there and potentially go to Indianapolis because they have a good O-line. So there you have it. That's my top 10 offensive linemen going into the 2021 season. DJ Humphreys, Taron Armstead, Ali Marpet, Ronnie Stanley, Tristan Wirfs, Zach Martin, Wyatt Teller, Trent Williams, David Bakhtiari, and Quentin Nelson. Now, time to get to those Milwaukee Bucks. Those Milwaukee Bucks, they did it. And what a turnaround it was. Going down 2-0 to the Phoenix Suns. People saying, Devin Booker, the next Kobe Bryant. CP3, establishing himself, is one of the best players of all time. This is it. This is the Suns here. Look at the play from the players. The Suns are playing hard and with grit. The Bucks are playing lost and confused. Mike Budenholzer doesn't know what he's talking about. Can he even coach the game? What's going on here? Oh no, it's 2-2. Oh, it's 3-2, Bucks. That's right. The Suns and 4 guy, you were right. But it's 4 straight losses instead. It's 4 straight losses for those Phoenix Suns. And what I've been saying about Giannis has proved true. What? Really a historic night by Giannis Antetokounmpo. The geek, Greek freak, played brilliantly last night. He really was that special. And it seemed like the stars were just adding up. It's been 50 years since they won an NBA Finals in 1971. Giannis then drops a 50-piece double-double on your head. And this morning, he orders 50 chicken minis from Chick-fil-A. The 50 was a symbol. I said, Bucks and Six. Bucks and Six. And the Bucks and Six came into fruition. Last night was one of the greatest finals games in the history of the finals. Last night, the announcers couldn't stop comparing... Giannis to LeBron James, and I had a hard time doing that myself because I haven't seen a finals performance like this since LeBron 
KD was never able to do it. Steph was never, never able to do it. LeBron was the only one leading his team like this with such charge. Last time we saw a 50-point game in the NBA Finals was with LeBron James. This was a classic performance by Giannis. It really was. He was simply brilliant. It was tremendous to watch Giannis that efficient from the field. Made 17 of his 19 free throws, which had to do his 50 points, his 14 rebounds, 2 assists, 5 blocks. Those blocks were key hustling on every play, getting up on every play. Giannis was different last night. Was the finals MVP for a reason. Because he was simply better than anyone else on the court last night. By far. Finished the series averaging you know, 35 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists or something like that. He was terrific. He really was. Chris Middleton, only 17 points. Made his free throws, but made a clutch dagger there at the end to help seal this win for them. Drew Holiday reverted back to the Game 4 performance that we saw, which was no offense, but his defensive capabilities were there. This was a perfect win, perfect series for Giannis and the Bucks. They just dominated them every game. On the offensive glass, uh, you know, in the paint, they had their way with the Phoenix Suns from start to finish. The Bucks were of a better team, and last night they were actually a better free throw shooting team than them. Chris Paul missed a huge technical foul, a free throw. As I said, the blocks favored the Bucks. Points of a paint favored the Bucks. They had less fouls. Bucks played the right way. They won it. And like Giannis said, he didn't take the easy route. He didn't. I have to give him credit for that. Didn't join a super team. He said he wanted to win one in Milwaukee with this team, with these players. And I thought to myself, that's nice. Because you ain't never winning in NBA Finals. But they get they catch some lucky breaks uh, this year. Maybe some injuries to the Nets. But yeah, they went out and beat that team. They beat KD. Giannis beat KD. And the teams that followed. So I have to give credit where credit was due. Milwaukee was the best team in the playoffs this year. And last night... Devin Booker proved that he himself is not Kobe Bryant. So whatever those comparisons are, have to immediately stop. That is blaspheming and slandering Kobe Bryant's great name. You think in a do-or-die situation, Kobe Bryant would shoot 8 of 22 from a field, which is 36%? No. You think he'd shoot a good 0 of 7 from 3? Nope. 19 points? Nope. 
But that's Devin Booker. He was not clutch. Had a couple good looks last night from three. He just could not convert. That's the second time in this series he did not make a single three-pointer. As I've said, he's a 34-35% career three-point shooter in this finals. I believe he was only around 27%, which was very poor. He was very poor. Yes, he had a couple 40-point games. One of those was without a three-pointer. So he really reverted back to natural Devin Booker status after a couple electric games against there. Do I think he's good? Yes. But when you compare somebody to Kobe Bryant, just stop it. He doesn't even want that. I don't want that. Nobody wants that. Why would you make these crazy comparisons to someone who's really has done nothing in the NBA world? Chris Paul, yet another choker. Key turnovers in that game. Three of them that just hurt this team. I think he was a minus 11 for this series. The team didn't do good when he was there. Devin Booker was a minus 15 last night, but for the series, I think it was a plus 4. So they did better with Devin Booker than with Chris Paul. And that is just the fact. Chris Paul in the end actually hindered this team with the way he plays when he wasn't taking his shots and making his shots. Jay Crowder jacked up the most three-pointers yesterday. Nine only made two of them. He could have made a clutch three as well. He seems like a bad egg. Losing with the Heat last year. Losing with the Suns this year in the finals. at straight losses for him. Chris Paul is Cliff Paul still. Still CP0. Because again, he is another one that has done anything. To me, does this finals loss hurt his legacy? No, but it proves to me that he's not a top five point guard in this league. He just isn't he's on the cusp outside with this finals he's proved to me too that he shouldn't even be dubbed the point god anymore he shouldn't when you have that many key turnovers and can't lead your team you do not get the status of point god you have been demoted my friend you are no longer that and you are still ringless mvp list is what you are Now you are getting older. You said you're not retiring. Good for you. But the Suns have some interesting decisions to make. Do they keep Chris Paul at his age? Do they sign him to another contract? Extensions are on the way for DeAndre Ayton and Mikael Bridges. What do they do? And Mikael Bridges is actually a really good defender, even though he didn't have the best offensive performance. But... Phoenix Suns had the best regular season record, but the Milwaukee Bucks were by far the better team in this series. They really were. They out-hustled them. Giannis out-hustled them. Everybody out-hustled the Phoenix Suns. They were running both ends of a floor. Drew Holiday, vicious on defense and offense. Chris Middleton on both ends of the floor, offensive, defensively. Giannis on both ends of a floor offensively and defensively. And the Phoenix Suns could not match their intensity on both ends of the floor. I didn't see Chris Paul giving it his all both offensively and defensively. 
I saw Devin Booker lax at times on the defensive end. Same with Dre Crowder. He had a series against LeBron, and he was salsaying him home. Well, guess what? You just got a can of whoop-you-know-what on your face, on your head, because you defensively were nowhere to be seen. And offensively, you were, again, shooting bricks. You and Ben Simmons, both. So the better team won this series, and that was the Milwaukee Bucks. Congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks. Deservedly so, because they won it. So now this year, I am 2 for 3 on my championship predictions. I have predicted the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl. I was right. I predicted the Montreal Canadiens to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. All right, and I was wrong about that one. And now I predicted the Milwaukee Bucks to beat the Phoenix Suns. Another one I was right about. So congratulations again to Giannis, Chris, Drew, Mike Budenholzer, Crew, Milwaukee. And again, I'll congratulate Monty Williams on a successful year with the Phoenix Suns in a class move by going in to congratulate the Bucks and Giannis on their finals win this season. That was a class act. But Giannis did it, willed his way to win, and was just a virtuoso stamp performance in a closeout game that will live on in the history of the NBA. Now, I am going through my mock draft for the Seattle Kraken. This is if I were the Seattle Kraken, because guess what? They've already announced that they are taking Adam Larson from the Oilers. That is something I would not do. They're taking Chris Dreiger. That's fine with... And they've said they are not selecting Carey Price. Now that, to me, is not a win-now move. To me, they're automatically not going to be better than the Vegas Golden Knights when they started. The talent isn't as deep, and the decisions I think they will make will not be as high quality as the Vegas Golden Knights. So I'm just going to preface this with that. So from the Anaheim Ducks, I would select Kevin Shattuck, is a was a champion on the Tampa Bay Lightning, is getting older, but is a really solid offensive defenseman and a leader, and that's something you can look to for him. The Arizona Coyotes, I would select Jason Demers, defenseman. I was surprised that they left him unprotected because he's really solid, but then again, you have Ekman Larson. You had Chikrin, who had a fantastic year. But Jason Demers is another good, solid defenseman. Is a good two-way defender that I think would pair well with this team. The Boston Bruins, I would select another defenseman. Kevin Miller, another good defenseman, a good shot, good defensively. All three of those guys are not, you know, tier one defensemen. But they are, you know, tier two. You slot them up. And they're really good. Buffalo Sabres. Forward Zimgus Gergensons. This is a really solid forward. It's kind of that fourth liner. But he's a fourth liner you need on your team. He can anchor it as the center position. 
and I think could get it done is kind of that identity line that every team needs. Calgary Flames, I would select Mark Giordano because he's experienced, he's a veteran, he could be the captain of his team, he's the captain of the Flames right now, and he didn't get it done in any time there with him. But I think just having that veteran presence and still giving him a few more years with this young group would prove dividends for this team. Carolina Hurricanes, I would select the electric forward Nino Ninerider. This guy has tremendous offensive skill set. That is what you need with a team like this that you know want to compete. You need a forward like Nino. The Chicago Blackhawks, I would select defenseman Nikita Zadarov. Here I didn't love any of my options, but Nikita was the best one available. And to me, I want to build a strong defensive corpse for this team to kind of help flow this game and protect, get in front of my goalie, make sure I don't have those costly mistakes with good defensemen. The Colorado Avalanche, I would select Gabriel Landeskog. He's amazing. He's a captain of the Avalanche. It looks like contract talks are breaking down, so he would be a free agent. But if I select him and tell him, hey, I'm going to care for you, I'm going to give you this contract, I think he'd sign with me. And again, that's a veteran leadership. And it hurts another team in the same conference as myself. Columbus Blue Jackets, I would select Max Domi. He's kind of been all over the place. He's had spurts where he's been good, spurts where he's been bad. But you might find these unwanted things like in Thor Ragnarok, where you're lost but now you are found. You're on Sakaar. And everything just fits on planet Sakaar in its own weird way. That's kind of how these expansion draft teams are. All these misfits sort of fit on this team in their own weird way. That's how it kind of was with... Vegas, they had two or three key pieces, but a lot of them, like William Carlson, just emerged. Could you get that same production from Max Domi? The Dallas Stars, I would select Andrew Cogliano, because he is that veteran presence as a forward, can still skate and get you a timely goal here or there. The Detroit Red Wings, I would select Vladislav Nemesnikov, Is he the best forward out there? No, but he's been around the block, and he's still young and still has potential to be a top six forward. So I like poaching one of this player from the Red Wings. The Edmonton Oilers, I would select defenseman Tyson Berry. He has experience. He plays really good, really hard. To me, he can be a true number one defenseman. But it hasn't got there yet. I think on this team, he could definitely get there. The Florida Panthers, I would select Chris Dreiger, goalie. Because to me, he is the perfect backup goalie. Against the Tampa Bay Lightning in the playoffs, we saw him in spurts look really good against the Lightning. But we saw him in a couple games play really bad. And that was kind of his way throughout the season. So I wouldn't trust him is my number one goaltender moving forward. But as a backup, he would be very solid. Los Angeles Kings, I would select forward Martin Frick. 
a young forward who is really good, who has great sniping shot, and again, fits with this young team, young core. Minnesota Wild, I would select defenseman Ian Cole. Why? Because he's a great defenseman. He is a great defensive defenseman. Will give you no offense, but he is a shutdown who rarely makes mistakes, was a champion with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and can be a champion again. But Montreal Canadiens, I would select goalie Carey Price. Why? Because, as you know, he just made it and basically carried his team to the Stanley Cup Finals. Was he his best during that actual Finals himself? No, but both series leading up to it, he was the best goalie by far in the playoffs. Him paired with Chris Dreiger would be great because Carey Price we have seen with injuries. You have Chris is of a really solid backup, but Carey Price as the clutch goalie will get you those wins that are needed. Nashville Predators, I was like forward Matt Duchesne. Here you kind of get your pick of Ryan Johansson or Matt Duchesne. But I've liked what Matt Duchesne's become now in this part of his career, kind of in what he started earlier. He's this goal scorer, kind of leader, to where he was kind of just uh, the kid who couldn't get it done early in his career with the Avalanche. New Jersey Devils. I was like P.K. Subban. Why? Well, this guy is still an electric defenseman who can still sell games. We saw him in Nashville play good, but Canadians now he was with the Devils and was actually really, really terrible. I think he would have a bounce-back year. And again, him and Tyson Berry anchoring that first defensive line because he still has that skill set. The New York Islanders, I would select forward Josh Bailey. He's on the famous B-line run that the Islanders just had. Bailey, Brock, and Bavillier. And I would choose Josh Bailey because he can score goals, is a rough, rowdy forward as well. New York Rangers, I would select forward Philip DiGiuseppe. New York Rangers have a ton of talent, young talent, can't protect everybody. You kind of have the Julian Gauthier or the Philip DiGiuseppe. I like Philip DiGiuseppe because of what I've seen as a center, and I like that center position more than any other position in the NHL. Ottawa Senators, I would choose Evgeny Dadanov. They have literally no talent, don't like any of the players on their team. Last year they went on a little streak, but Dadanov to me is a sniper who can score goals. Philadelphia Flyers, I would select James Van Riemsdyk. Because he is a goal scorer as well. And what you need to do in the NHL, you need to score goals. So the more goal scorers you have on your team, the better. The Pittsburgh Penguins. Now this pains me because I'm a Penguins fan. So I don't want to see this happens. If this happens tonight, I'll be very upset. But if I was the GM, I would pick Brandon Tanev. Because he is so fast. Plays with such fire. Can be part of that identity line. Which I said he can... He can hit, he can skate, he can score. He kind of does it all. Is kind of this buzzsaw, chainsaw sort of guy. Delivers a timely hit. 
riles up the crowd, plays with such intensity and, and such a spark, uh, and plays better to me than what I actually see on paper and contributes to this team. The San Jose Sharks, I choose Christian Jaros because I want a young sort of defenseman as a prospect to kind of build up for my team because not everybody will play. That gets selected. St. Louis Blues, Vladimir Tarasenko, one of the best forwards in the game. When healthy, they let him out to dry, which I wouldn't have done. If I was a Blues, I would have kept him just so that I can then trade him for recuperation from this, but around probably letting him go scot-free. And he was just a champion with you in 2019 and has that championship pedigree. Tampa Bay Lightning, I would select Yanni Gord. I was surprised that they selected McDonough and chose four defensemen because they had Andre Palat to choose from Kalor and Yanni Gord. Definitely choose Gord here because he is a young forward who's just won a couple Stanley Cups with the Tampa Bay Lightning and has been brilliant as well. So why not pick him? Toronto Maple Leafs, I'd pick forward Jared McCann, another great center who has picked up, been pretty lethal on the power play, which you need. Vancouver Canucks, Alexander Edler, defenseman, to finish off my selection of defensemen. And in the Washington Capitals, I need one goalie, and they have Vitek Vanacek. Can only save one. So that completes my goalie system. Now I have three legitimate starting goaltenders in this league. Have fun getting through that. My defensive scorps, which is the perfect blend of youth with the veterans and experience. And then my Sakar forwards of misfits that will come together and score goals on you. That's my team. Will it happen tonight? No. Will I get some of them right? Sure, why not, but that's my team. I'm not Seattle. Let's see what they see and what their record will be this coming year. Now to finish up with just one note of the MLB, if you will watch that tonight at 7 o'clock, and that is the only game to watch, and that is the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Logan Webb starting for the Giants. Julio Urias starting for the Dodgers. As I said, this has been the battle for first place in baseball. The Giants won the first game two days ago. Dodgers won the game last night. They play again tonight and tomorrow night. Giants are still in first, but let's say if they can keep this way against the team that they've had trouble with but did get a win on a couple days ago. That's it, everybody. Again, congratulations to Colin Morikawa for the champion golfer of the year. The Milwaukee Bucks for winning this sweet title. I look more to breaking this down on my next podcast and predictions for the next NBA season, some early predictions. But until then, everybody, enjoy. Hope you are well. Bye, everybody.